found on page 12 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. Genesis 12. So it's so short that I'm going to wait till there's a sense of everyone settled, because you might miss it, like it's that short today, if we're not all kind of queued up. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, first book of the Old Testament, page 12, or yeah, page 12, chapter 12, verse 1. This is God's Word. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray. Our gracious God, as we look at this passage of Scripture, um, we're looking at it with all kinds of different stories and experiences that we bring into this room. We come from different kinds of uh, families, different kinds of cultures, different kinds of uh, life experiences, different levels of stability, different levels of faith. And as we sit here this morning, we've had different kinds of uh, mornings and weeks that bring us to today. Some of us sit here and we're hurting. And some of us sit here and we feel like we're healing. Some of us were here and um, things, things have gotten very interesting in life in one way or another. And uh, we can't help but wonder, what are you doing? If you exist, what are you doing in our life right now? What is your plan that you're making of some of the strange or unusual or, or interesting things that have begun to happen. And some of us feel like we're living under a weight that's, that could crush us at any minute. And others of us, um, maybe just we, we long for you to be real or for you to feel real, and, um, and yet it's just, it's just we're getting nothing. We're getting radio silence crickets as we look for what seems to come so easy to others. God, from all these places, we are just real people and we we have real messes in our life. In fact, we're more of a mess than we care to admit to the people around us. And the story of grace that we we, uh, journey into this morning from your scriptures tells us that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, in Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. Simultaneously imperfect and loved. May that strike a new chord with us this morning through your power. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In the Bible, words matter. Words matter. 
especially God's words in, in the Bible. And, and I'm not just saying some preacher kind of thing that, you know, God's words are supposed to matter. I'm saying, like, when the Bible begins, when the story uh, starts to starts, and we're told of how the world was made, um, that it was made by God, and, that, and then it went like this, God said, let there be light. Words matter. God, God speaking is the action. It is the creation. That's how, that's how it starts, and repetitiously, if you ever read the first chapter of Genesis. It's first day, second day, third day, fourth day, sixth day. It's this poem, this poetry, this song, this ancient song of creation that's saying God's very words, just he speaks and things come to life. It's amazing. And throughout, throughout the Bible, that's, that's like a thing. The Bible, or that God's words and that words in general are powerful. They actually have something to them. They have gravitas. They have ballast they have weight words and in this first chap in the very first chapter of genesis when god's words are just making things poof into existence um he also begins the, the this other this word comes into play um blessing god begins to also bless things and as he's and he's looking at what's made he's seeing that it's good so he's see, looking around and he's seeing good things and then he starts speaking blessing about the good things. So he's, he spoke them into existence. He's seeing that they're good things and then, he's, and then he just kind of keeps saying more and now he's blessing the stuff that he's, that he's made. Um, God, it says in chapter, chapter 1, verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God bless them. And then it says, God saw, uh, just to give you a sense of this, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. He's seeing good things. He's blessing. He's speaking and words have power. And then things kind of start to change a little bit when we get into the third chapter of Genesis and things aren't so blessing worthy. I don't know if you've had this in, in your life. Actually, I know you've all had this in your life. You've had things that where something happens or someone does something or something's going on around you and, and you're, you kind of make this realization, oh, oh no, I, I, can't, I can't speak well of that. You know, maybe things are going well and you're all on board and then all of a sudden, no, uh-uh, I, I can't speak well of that. that just, that's, that's not something that can draw out of me kind of words of affirmation and blessing. Have you had things like this? Sometimes it even surprises us, you know? Things are going one way, and then someone says or does something, and you go, oh, oh, oh actually, no, I can't speak well of that. I think we've all had that. And that's sort of what begins to happen in this story that starts off so well, it's almost like this growing uh, uphill experience that's going well and it's getting good and it's getting better day by day and things are great and things are wonderful and things are very good and we're speaking blessing and then in chapter three things start to happen that God just like us just like when we look around our world and we see things and we can't speak well of everything God there's some things that come up that God can't speak well of 
In fact, um, it sort of begins to be an opposite effect, like the way things were growing and multiplying and looking better and better every day, all of a sudden with chapter 3 of Genesis, now things are kind of unraveling and snowballing, and something new comes into the picture, um, kind of the opposite of speaking well of things and blessing. Now we have curses coming in because it's like God is like you and me and looks at certain things and just says, I can't speak well of that. I will not speak well of that. And actually, so this is like a literature thing that the Bible is really good at. Is that as, as this twist starts to happen and things go a little bit downhill or in a lot downhill, there's actually five primal curses. So the, these curses kind of layer up and build up. And there's first the curse of the serpent, and then there's the curse of the ground, and then there's a curse of um, Cain's future, and then there's a curse of this person named Canaan, and then there's the curse of the people of the Tower of Babel, and then their language is confused. So there's these, these curses start to stack up. And in the middle of them, in the midst of this, if you've ever read, this is the funnest uh, part of the Bible, and I'm being a little sarcastic here. There's the funnest part of the Bible is the genealogies, right? You know, all these lists of names. But in the midst of these curses that are stacking up, there's also a bunch of genealogies. And basically what they're telling us is, is it's, it has a literature function as well. There's growth, there's expansion, but it's now this negative, like it's like the curse in the negative stuff that you can't speak well of is growing and growing and growing and growing. And, and some of the ways that's spoken of uh, is that God at one point even says um, that he looked around and that it was every inclination of the human heart was always evil all the time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a little different than a lot of the, you know, maybe what your therapist will tell you. Um, to believe about yourself, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, okay, so every inclination, e- always evil all the time. There's an intention here of just things are unraveling. The world's got a lot of stuff that's bringing curses on. So God starts it in its order, in its blessing, and then as human freedom comes into the picture in Genesis chapter 3, it's not order and blessing anymore. Now it's like chaos, and curse. I don't know if you've ever felt like your own life is like a chaotic mess. And you can just almost yourself, you can just weave your, some of experiences of your own life into that experience of humanity as the Bible's trying to tell it. Your life or the world, is it a chaotic mess? You know, curses are hurled around us and there's Twitter wars, right? And there's all these ways that you look around, there's things you can't speak well of and there's abuse and there's injustice and there's discrimination and there's people driven out and there's mental illness and there's cancer and there's murder and there's um, lack of hospitality almost everywhere you look. And in many ways our world is in trouble and some of us would say even we're in trouble and there's a sense in which we feel sometimes like aggressive intervention is required. And actually, today is the second Sunday of this season called Lent that leads up to Easter, and it's a very important season in the Christian tradition where um, we actually try to grapple with how we are kind of a part of this kind of tendency and this propensity of our world towards chaos and curses, how we all kind of fit into that. We all can see ourselves in that. We can all say, yeah, that's a part of my story. 
that, you know, I have a great propensity and capacity to live a self-absorbed life. I have a great propensity and capacity to join into the spiraling chaos and mess. I have earned curses rather than blessings. I am more of a mess than I care to admit. And um, in, in the season of Lent, um, I want you to see, now I don't, I, please don't end there and please don't just let yourself say, well, that's the end of it. That's the bad story that you're supposed to, you know, just be in bad story mode during Lent. Because what Christianity does is Christianity refuses to ignore your trouble, and that's kind of a good thing, but it also refuses, it won't leave you in it. Christianity refuses to ignore your trouble, but it won't leave you in it. And so, let me, let's, look back at Gen, let's look at Genesis as it continues now. So I've sort of built up a little bit, a whole bunch of stuff, so that we can finally catch why Genesis 12, these short, brief words to Abram, that they're almost so short we almost missed them, why they're so incredible and why they're so amazing and why they're so earth-shattering and paradigm-shifting for all of us and for our world. And here's, here's what's interesting, is there's no mistake that all of a sudden as we get to Genesis 12 and God's going to intervene, God's going to show up and start a new course for really the rest of the Bible and what is there in this short little amount of Scripture? There's the Hebrew word for blessing. And how many primal curses were there? Did I say? Five. And the, word, the, the number of times that the Hebrew word for blessing in this tiny little quote from God, five. And so you and I are seeing and experiencing, and Abraham, Abram, he wasn't, his name wasn't changed yet, Abram and Sarai are learning our experience. We're all experiencing together. We're all getting a very big message here from God that he's going to enter in and that his definitive and his stubborn response to people who have earned their curses is to respond not with curses, but with blessing. Just somehow, he's going to find a way that the trajectory that we've all kind of joined in on is not going to dominate, is not going to win out, is not going to be the last word. The last word is not going to be a curse. The last word is going to be a blessing. And that, my friends, if you want to know kind of how to understand the whole Bible, the whole rest of the Bible, because there's a lot of troubling things. There's a lot of curse-worthy things in the Bible, too. There's a lot of difficult things that I don't even have. I've got, a lot of, I've got degrees with, with, for, on the Bible, and I don't have answers to a lot of the weird curse-worthy things in here. But I will tell you that you can understand most of it by this trend that the curses will not win out in this troubled world, but the blessings will through God's intervention. It's kind of simple. To a world that has earned their curses, God intervenes to bless, and the blessing will win out. There's a place in the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 3, which says something incredibly bold about that, Galatia, or that um, Genesis 12 passage. So Galatians 3, verse 8, it's just very short. It happens to be on page 1075 if you're going to look it up. But I'll just read it. It's very short. The Scriptures... Actually, I'll read starting at verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith 
are children of Abraham. Because God was starting a, a new family with Abraham. So who are the family's children? Anyone with faith. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And this is what I wanted to point out. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So it's so significant what is being said in Genesis chapter 12 that when the New Testament church is teaching and the Apostle Paul is writing letters to new Christians and helping them understand the whole Bible, he's, he's saying, actually, you want to see where the gospel is? You want to see where it really started in advance? Genesis 12, these words of blessing. It's the gospel. It's the, the heart, the good news of what God is doing eventually through Jesus. And so how, how are you going to navigate day in and day out as we continue on this journey of Lent? Maybe you've even taken up some particular practice. Not everybody has, but some people will do something special during this season. Well, what messages are you tapping into? Are you hearing? Are you letting seep into your life during this season? I wonder if you can believe every day this Lent that God loves you. That God is pursuing you with good words to speak over you and into your life. That God has plans to use you. Can you believe that every day? Can you wake up each morning and say, that's true. That God is never going to reject you. All of that comes as we get Genesis 12 here, right in the beginning. That's there's, there's, there's reason after reason spiraling out of control why God should reject, why God should stop pursuing, why God should, shouldn't give a care about us. And he definitively here says, amidst all of this, I will enter in with bless, blessing, a word of blessing. Um. So one thing to note is that the season of Lent, even though the season of Lent has Christians often connecting with their part of the trouble and saying, yeah, I've joined in on the trouble of this world. Often that's a piece of it, but I want you to, to hear that Lent is not about, the purpose of doing that is not so that you can carry curses all the way to Easter. You know, in a sense, like you can just put these curses on your head and on your shoulders and they can weigh you down all of Lent, because we're on the journey, friends. We're on the journey, this 40-day journey that we say, well, Jesus already walked the journey for us. And what did he do? But he carried the curses. When he, he went on the cross, the cross is considered a curse, cursed thing to be on, and people were cursing him, literally, while he was on it and spitting on him. Jesus carried all the curses already for us. Do you see how beautiful this big full circle story from Genesis 12 all the way to Jesus is? In Genesis 12, you kind of look at Jesus, or you look at God coming in with words of blessing, and you say, but look at what's been going on. How, how is he going to make it that, that, that he really can say those words and mean it? How can he say these blessings when the mess is right before him of humanity? Because something does kind of have to... to to kind of maybe happen to compensate for him to be able to say that. And then you see, eventually you see exactly how, is that he himself would come. It was like, you know, because there's a way in which, you, like we said at the beginning, like you, have, you can't speak well of certain things. And you, that sits with us. 
that God can't just come in in Genesis 12 and say, well, even though this is all going on, it's, I'm just going to kind of ignore it. Because you can't just ignore it. You can't just speak well of something that's not well. The curse comes on Jesus, though. God himself arrives, carries the curse. So don't carry, walk around during Lent carrying curses, carrying the negative that I'm a failure, I'm awful, God might not love me unless I do a good job not eating chocolate or whatever your Lenten practice might be. Also, now a good corrective to that is to say Lent is also not a season for self-absorbed introspection that is self-interested only, that only benefits you. That the uncomfortable truth is you exist for others and that is exactly a part of Genesis 12 as well. This is very important, and this is a part most of us, and especially even Abram and his descendants, would not want to pay attention to. It's the last part of that blessing. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God is sort of, he's, he's constructing a new family with Abram. He just goes and picks Abram out of nowhere. His, his dad seems to be an idol maker. He, he lives in the middle of idolatry. He pulls Abram and Sarai out. He, he begins a family. And he says, I'm going to give you lots of children and descendants. This is going to be a family. And God's imprint on Abraham's family is to exist for those outside the family, which is not our impulse. There's never an inherent impulse on a family, family to have a soft Boundary that's always kind of hoping and wanting or trying to get other people to come in and out of the family. That's, that's just not how we operate. Sure, there's some exceptions to that rule. There's families that, you know, adopt or that, you know, take people in for one reason or another, but it's not the norm. We don't put pressure on ourselves that way because, you know, there's, there's people who are in the family and those who are not. And sometimes it's hard enough to love the people in the boundaries, let alone bring more messes in to have to try to love, right? I'm being a little facetious here but it's got a little truth to it i don't know if you've ever seen you've ever been at a park or something and a family reunion's happening um not not your family reunion but someone else having a barbecue and have you ever seen the shirts people have family reunion shirts and you know maybe a bright color and it'll say like you know smith family reunion 2017 and and it'll and everybody will be wearing the shirt there's nothing more clear to know that you're not in a family than in that situation because you're like, I'm not wearing the shirt. And you know what? People are not giving those shirts out to just anybody. You've got to be in the family to get the shirt. And that's how we operate. They don't just hand those out. That's how our families tend to operate. But God, as he begins his kind of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into human history. I'm going to plant new seeds of a new way for this world, and it's going to be the thing that kind of renews and brings life to this whole world. And one of the seeds he plants that's so important is that those outside the family, those who, who, who shouldn't be in, are going to actually be brought in and blessed through those who are in. And anytime you see a glimpse of that somewhere, you should say, your little flag should go off, your little God detection system and say... I think God's at work there. I think that's a picture of God. Anywhere you see, 
someone acting that way. There's this couple in Washington, D.C., who act that way. David Fletcher and Dave, uh, Kathy Fletcher and David Simpson have a son named Santi who went to Washington, D.C. public schools. Santi had a friend who sometimes went to school hungry. So Santi invited him to occasionally eat and sleep at his house. That friend had a friend, and that friend had a friend, and now you go to dinner at Kathy and David's house on Thursday night, and there might be 15 to 20 teenagers crammed around the table. And later, there will be groups of them crashing in the basement or in a few small bedrooms upstairs. The kids who show up at Kathy and David's have endured the ordeals of modern poverty, homelessness, hunger, abuse, sexual assault. Almost all have seen death firsthand to a sibling, a friend, or a parent. It's anomalous for them to have a bed at home. One 21-year-old woman came to dinner last week and said this is the first time she'd been around a family table since she was 11. And yet by some miracle, hostile soil has produced charismatic flowers. Thursday dinner is the big social occasion of the week. Kids come from around the city. Spicy chicken and black rice are served. Cell phones are banned. Be in the now, Kathy says. The kids call Kathy and David Mama and Dad. What was Abraham, or what was God up to with Abram and this ancient blessing? He was up to something that would have a long story throughout this book of bringing blessings rather than curse curses. And he was up to something that comes to each of us so that we know convincingly, we know that blessing is spoken over by, over God, over our life. And it has power as he does that. And it's not just for you. <laughs> it's, this, it's this seed that's planted already with Abraham to dream unselfish dreams to dream dreams that bring others in and to adjust our dreams because the American dream is for you, yourself, me, myself, and I. And what would be best for me? And this story says that, you know, could, you can say, well, that's fine if that's what you want, but if you want something powerful that's changing the world and there's places you can already spot it, you want to be a part of that, adjust your dreams. Adjust your dreams. Bend your dreams away from the self-serving towards enfolding others into your dreams. This is all packed into the tiny little three or four verses in Genesis 12 where God sees the spiraling downhill fall of, of all of us who join in it and says, I'm going to enter in and start things on a new course. Will you pray with me as we try to join him in that? Our gracious God, may, that, may the words of blessing fall over us and carry us forward into our lives. Help every single one of us as we um, sometimes are overwhelmed by um, the weight of other messages, of negative messages, really of things in our lives that we think of right now and we know they feel a lot more like curses, maybe even just voices in our own head. And it's so much weight 
And it often feels like nothing can expel that negativity out of our lives. And may we convincingly know that you see all of what's curseworthy in our life and our world and you determine to bring blessing over us. And that we can grab hold of it. It's true. And it's not going to be true because of us. It's going to be true because of your determination and your devotion to us. And then use us. If we have the confidence and the ability to, to believe in your love for us, then take us the next step. Fill us up with that love that it may spill out and spill over. And may we be aware that there's plenty of shirts to pass out in this family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.